If you hate anxiety as much as I do, then you are in the right place. Welcome to the I Hate Anxiety podcast and your host, Larry Quicksall. Larry is a mental health therapist who has spent the past 30 years helping people improve the quality of their lives. And today, he wants to help you get rid of the anxiety in your life. So without any further ado, here's Larry. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining me for the I Hate Anxiety podcast, brought to you by Crossroads Innovative Trainings at citrainings.com. Today, we're going to answer a question that has been posed to me many times over the years, and that is, what is trauma? You know, whenever I think back several years ago, uh, our local hospital Uh, had changed their sign at their emergency room. Instead of saying emergency entrance or emergency room or emergency department, it said trauma center. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. They changed the name. But it was more than just a change. They were changing the status because trauma was not just simply an emergency room. Trauma meant that they were certified to handle different kinds of an emergent of emergencies and that they had additional staff to handle truly traumatic situations and in a way when we think about trauma we don't think about the ordinary range of things we tend to think about something that is very much outside of the normal range of human experience or pushing excuse me pushing the envelope of human experience and typically again the name implies that it's something very negative now there's there's two ways of looking at it that i want to talk about today one way is going to be the official way out of the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders they have a very clear-cut definition of what is a trauma what kind of activities you know have you know the the intensity of the activity or the type of activity in order to meet that definition and that is the one that clinicians you know all across the united states have to follow if they're going to be you know giving a person a diagnosis such as acute stress disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder the second way of looking at it is a is i think more of a practical way when people are doing treatment as far as it doesn't necessarily have to meet this rigid standard in order to be traumatic. And so I'll talk a little bit about that, you know, uh, know, after the the first part. So let me get into the DSM and read to you what it says. The criteria is as follows. Exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury or sexual violence in one or more of the following ways. So what we're looking at is either actual or threatened. So it's it's a pretty serious kind of thing. Either it's taken place or there was a serious belief that it was going to happen because a person was threatened either with death, some sort of a serious injury, not just a mild injury, or sexual violence, which you know most often we think of rape, but there's other things that can fall under sexual violence. 
So what are these different ways? It says in one or more of the following ways. The first is directly experiencing the traumatic events. So this is where you're going through it. You know, your, your life was threatened or uh, you were assaulted or you experienced the serious injury. The second is if you witnessed in person the events as it occurred to others. So maybe you weren't the one who was directly threatened or you weren't the person that was killed but uh, or the person who was sexually assaulted, but you witnessed it. You witnessed the, the traumatic experience. The third is learning that the traumatic event occurred to a close family member or a close friend. In cases of actual or threatened death, the family member of, of a family member or friend, the events must have been violent or accidental. So, again, looking over that part, it's when somebody learns that there's been a traumatic event to somebody close to them. You know, when it happens to somebody close, that's very likely to have, you know, a significant impact just in affecting their life because they're in close relationship. Plus, there's much more of a likelihood that you're going to personalize this in your own mind if it happens to a family member or a close friend. As, and then in looking at cases of actual or threatened death of a family member or friend, the it must be violent or accidental. So what they're doing there is they're raising that standard that it wouldn't necessarily be predictable. It's not because of, you know, like an illness or something that's taking place over time. Although I'm going to kind of argue with that because sometimes there's things that are not necessarily violent and it's not accidental, but it's a sudden unexpected illness that can be viewed, you know, as a traumatic event. But this is this is what they put in the in the big book of mental disorders. The fourth and final part is experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to adversive details of the traumatic event. So experiencing repeated or extreme exposure I'm sorry, experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to adversive uh, details of the traumatic event. So examples would be like first responders collecting human remains, police officers repeatedly exposed to the details of child abuse. I'm going to throw in there counselor th counselors or therapists who do trauma work, and they're hearing the, the retelling of the account uh, of multiple people over time. So this is what we would call, uh, for like the example with the therapist, vicarious trauma. But if you are, again, like a first responder or if you're on the scene, you're seeing stuff that, you know, frankly, we're not supposed to see. We're not, you know, designed to be, you know, to be able to deal with. Um, so those are the different kinds of, of criteria when we're, when we're looking at a trauma, according to the DSM. In my opinion, I think they're making it a little too stringent. I can understand why, and I think, you know, I may have an idea as far as motivations. Uh, 
you know, but the, the reality is there's a lot of other things that can be viewed as traumatic that don't necessarily fall under this criteria. Let's say, you know, going back to my experience working in hospice, if you're taking care of a loved one who is dying at home and you have a hard time dealing with the concept of death, or this is a situation where it is a child who has been, you know, healthy and active and, you know, running about full of promise and hope for the future. And then all of a sudden they get diagnosed with advanced, you know, stage four cancer or another uh, terminal illness. I think that meets the criteria for trauma in my book, not in the DSM, but in my book. That can be very traumatic. Or, uh, you know, another one that I can see why they wouldn't include it, but I can see where it's also can be traumatic. We live in a world with 24-hour news cycles. You can watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox, Bloomberg, uh, CNBC. You know, you can get news 24 hours a day. And there's a lot of competition for the viewers 24 hours a day. So what do the news people tend to do, or at least what it appears? Focus on the highly emotional stories. Show certain videos over and over and over again. Make sure that, you know, that news item, as long as it's bringing in viewers, you're going to keep covering that story. And so... There's been certain traumatic events that would be traumatic by definition for the family, for close friends, for various people in that community. However, let's say you've got somebody who is homebound for whatever reason, and they're watching this story over and over and over and over again. If they're personalizing it, they may be having this news story that doesn't directly affect them, you know, as far as, you know, the, the, you know, it's from another state or maybe even another country, but it's having a similar effect because they're viewing it over and over again. Take, for example, a few years ago, the Sandy Hook shooting. It was a horrible, tragic event in that community with those families regarding the victims of that shooting. But what was the, the, you know, how did it play out nationwide? It was the dominant news item for two weeks. The first week was just over and over and over again accounts of what happened. The second week was funeral you know funeral stories over and over and over again for another week there are people that i personally know who you know are retired at home and they watched this news account hours upon hours upon hours every day hearing the the stories hearing the tragedy personalizing it where what if that was my children? What if what if I was a teacher in that school? What if I this happened to my neighbor? What if what if? 
And they start having severe anxiety reactions as if they had gone through the trauma themselves. Again, it's a little bit like if we go back to the criteria, uh, experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to uh, aversive details of the traumatic event, like first responders, uh, police officers repeatedly exposed to the details of you know child abuse or other traumatic events. So I think that you you know you can you can wind up if you narrow it too much, is it really going to be helpful? But I can also see where if you broaden it too much, then are we calling everything traumatic? So you know when it comes to trauma, my little rule of thumb is if it is something that is way outside the normal range of human experience, or at least this individual's human experience, and if they are showing the various signs and symptoms associated with acute stress disorder, or you know if it's been a little while for with post-traumatic stress disorder, then I'm going to pretty well treat them the same way. I may or may not give them the definition of or the the diagnosis related to it being trauma, but my treatment's going to be the same. And what I typically call those kind of situations is uh, overwhelming life events or an ole, an overwhelming life event. Maybe if the circumstances were better, they would have been able to better cope with it. But if life circumstances are more challenging, they may respond to it as if it was a true trauma. So that's the idea about trauma and some of my thoughts about it. And I hope this answers the questions for some of you out there that may have asked the, you know, you know, been wondering what exactly is a trauma. So that's the answer for me. This brings us to the end of today's podcast. I hope you found some golden nuggets that you can use to make your life better. The I Hate Anxiety podcast is for educational purposes only. And while I am a therapist, this podcast is not counseling or therapy. If you need either counseling or therapy, please seek out the services of a licensed professional in your area. And if you are in crisis, call the Crisis Call Center at 1-800-273-8255 or dial 911 or go to your local emergency room.